Life Audio. Today we are picking up with the second half of our conversation about Martha. And just as a reminder, these summer episodes are a lot shorter because of everybody's schedules and vacations and those kinds of things. So I pray that that format is working for you and we will pick back up with the longer episodes this fall. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Continuing from part one yesterday. For me, I'm going to be pretty vulnerable here. I went through a season in my life where this this was a very... Um, clear parallel in my life in a season that I went through and one of the questions I asked this week in the book was have you ever had something die while you're waiting on Jesus and um that might be that I can't remember if that's the Martha part or the Mary part because I wrote this these two chapters as if they were one it's part one and part two but obviously as they were waiting on Jesus to come back Lazarus died and he had been in the tomb for four days. If you think about the location of where Jesus was, and we mentioned this in this chapter this week, Jesus was only about two miles away. And if I think in my mind about where two miles is from my house and how long it would take to walk two miles, it it certainly wouldn't take four days. And when I was doing the research on this, I just I couldn't wrap my mind around why. Because to me, obviously, it was intentional, and Jesus says it was intentional. His timing was intentional on the way that he waited. And we know that he loved this family, and he had a relationship with Lazarus. This wasn't just some random stranger. This is somebody that he had a close, loving relationship with. And there was I, what I found in my research is that... Um, there was a Jewish tradition, and, and, and some still hold to this today, that for three days, the spirit hovered over the body. And that within three days of death, there was a potential opportunity for a resurrection. But by the fourth day, all hope was gone. The fourth day was the day that all hope was gone. And that would be the day that... Um, you know, the death really was was sinking in. It was past uh, the ability for that person to come back. And um, we can see that in the scripture that the reason why Jesus waited that long was so there would be no doubt about who he was. And I think about um, this season in my life 
And there have been different times in my life where I've had something, it felt like something died while I was waiting on Jesus. But the most impactful thing was a failed adoption that we had. Um, my husband and I spent um, a little over five years and about $31,000 working on uh, bringing a little boy to our home. His name is Gideon. And when I met Gideon, um, it was a pretty miraculous story. Actually, I had suffered three miscarriages. And I have three beautiful daughters, but I also had three miscarriages. And I just had it in my brain that those must have been boys because I had three beautiful, healthy daughters. And then in between those uh, pregnancies, I had these three miscarriages. And so in my mind, I just, I would even say that, like, I can't, I can't make boys. And I remember sitting at church um, one night and I was in a worship service and it was in the moment of worship where the Holy Spirit really just convicted me and said, stop saying that. Because of my son, stop saying that. So I um, started praying and I really felt as if the Lord was saying, um, you will have a son and he will be a mighty warrior and he will be worth the wait. And that was a word that I really felt the Lord was confirming in a couple different ways. And so I came home and I told my husband, I said, I think, you know, I don't know what God's doing. Maybe this, I, I don't know what God's doing, but this is what God put on my heart. And so my husband said, okay, well, we'll start praying for our son. And, um, and if he's going to be a mighty warrior, we'll, we'll name him Gideon. And at that point, I didn't even really, I didn't like the name Gideon. I just... I, I, okay, I just kind of went along with it with my husband and we started praying. And and we at that point thought it meant that I was going to get pregnant. But I knew I was going to Africa soon and I didn't want to be in Africa pregnant. So we figured we would wait until I got back. And when I was in um, Africa, I think it was day two, we went to a children's home, an orphanage for special needs children. And they're going around the room, and we, they get to the last little boy at the end of the room, and they say, oh, this little boy, his name is Gideon. And I, I wish I could articulate what happened in that moment, but I can't. Um, immediately, I felt the connection to him. Immediately, um, my spirit recognized him. And so um, Gideon was a very special child. He had been choked to death um, and left for dead on the steps of a church and um, through a miraculous prayer and some of the staff that worked at that church, God revived him. Um, he did have to have several surgeries and he had scars on his neck um, because his larynx had been severed. But at that point, um, he was vocal and you know could speak and God had, had really healed him and he was incredibly, incredibly smart. And so we started the process, there's a long story that goes with all of this, but we started the process of bringing that little boy home. And what ended up happening over the course of um, five years and a lot of money and a lot of trips and a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow was um, Gideon was trafficked to another country by some very evil people. And we fought um, with Interpol and the FBI and the CDI is what it's called there and tried to bring him home um, we were able to locate him he's in Germany now um, and he's with the family now but because of the illegal way that he was taken out of the country he cannot leave Germany he's protected but he's in Germany and um, I went through this season where I was very confused about what happened because 
I felt very strongly that God had put this word on my heart. And over five years and a lot, a lot invested, um, we fought to bring this little boy home. And it felt as if one of my girls was in Africa. That's how it felt. I felt, um, and this wasn't just like, I'm a mama bear for all kids, but this was different. This was, um, he was my spiritual son. And what ended up happening was we were able to work with the government um, to the point where they were shutting down they, they did shut down international adoption in that country for a period of time. Um, and they were able to redo the way that they do adopt birth certificates, adoption certificates, and death certificates. And they are implanted with a chip now. And we started working with the government to figure out ways to keep this from happening again. Because what was happening was um, they were falsifying records and saying that these kids had died and then selling them out of the country. And um, we helped put a stop to that. And I remember sitting with one of the government officials and she said, you know, um, I know this doesn't help you, but you realize that because of Gideon, thousands of children have been rescued and stopped from being trafficked. And we were even able to go back and find some of the kids that year that had been trafficked through the same organization, the same trafficking ring. And there was 111 kids that we were able to bring back to the country and reunite them because not even all of them were, were orphans. We were able to reunite, reunite them with their families and get them into safe homes. Um, the ones that were in families... Um, because there was a couple different reasons for uh, trafficking. Um, sometimes it's for domestic servitude, sometimes it's an easier way to adoption, and sometimes it's for um, really sick and twisted reasons. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up our conversation about Martha. Stay tuned. The kids that were in families, um, the government allowed to stay in those families, and they were all across Europe. The kids that were in bad situations, we were able to bring back, get them medical care, get them back into their homes, get them in safe homes. So I had to stop working in that country, and um, it was just too painful. And although I'm thankful for the role that I was able to play in rescuing a lot of children, it's still, he, Gideon's not in my home. And I felt... Um, I felt like Mary felt um, very much was when I was working through this that I just felt like I had this dream um, this promise that died while I was waiting on Jesus to bring my little boy home I mean we had his still have his room painted blue um, bought him all of his clothes and gone through so many court hearings and um, you know even planned a trip to Disney World for his birthday I mean there was so much that we had to let go. And while I don't understand the theology of all of that, um, I do understand grief. I do understand sorrow. I do understand what it means to feel like something died while I was waiting on Jesus. And so as I was working through this passage, um, I was able to start to recognize the, the similar parallels in the way that God was working in my own life. And I started working for a global orphan care organization um, two years ago, actually. And I started on my birthday. My birthday the year before was actually the day that we found out for sure that Gideon would not be coming home with us. 
And so fast forward a year, I started uh, working for an orphan care organization. And they also work in Africa, but in different countries. And one of the reasons I chose to work for them was because I could still get to Africa. I have a heart for global missions, and Africa is an area that God has put on my heart. I have a heart for orphan care. Um, so it allowed me to go back into those countries, but not to the same country because that wound was just still bleeding. Um, but I knew that I still had a calling to work there. And so I, you know, I felt it was a little ironic that um, I started on my birthday because when I found out the news about Gideon, I just remember thinking like, God, this is not a gift. Why did this happen on my birthday? Like it was, it was terrible. And then when I started at COTN on my birthday, I thought, Okay, like I didn't, I didn't even really process it. It was just a day. Fast forward um, a year into that organization, I had been advocating for um, different things for the spiritual care needs of the children. And one of our pastors in Uganda said to me, you know, Rachel, you really have the heart of a mother for the orphan child. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for you. And at the time, I didn't think about it. I just was like, oh, I'm just doing what I do and, you know, fighting for justice or kids or, you know, whatever it was. And as I took some time to process that, and it wasn't until I was going through this um, this season with studying Martha and the death of her brother, that I realized that um, God was trying to give me a message through that. And as I started praying about it, God said, you know, um, Nothing is wasted in the kingdom. And the pain and the sorrow of something dying while you're waiting on Jesus is included in that. And as I started just really praying about it, I realized that because God birthed in me a heart of a mother for the orphan, like that pastor from Uganda said, I was able to fight for the orphans in our organization in a different way than I would have previously. I didn't, I wouldn't have understood it on the level that I understand it now. I wouldn't have advocated the way I advocate now. And I wouldn't have fought in a way that um, is from a place of hurt and compassion and understanding the trauma that they've been through. And so for me, realizing that and hearing those words... I realize kind of like what happened with Lazarus. Resurrection isn't who Jesus, isn't just something that Jesus does or did. It's who Jesus is. It's who he is in our lives now. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that in-between time, that four days, um, those four days, that waiting time, that is hard. It is full of sorrow. It is full of grief. It is full of questioning God. And um, I will be 100% honest. There were lots of days where I cussed out God. And I'm probably the only pastor that will tell you that. But that's the reality of it. And um, I'm a Martha. Martha felt comfortable complaining to Jesus. I don't know that she was cussing in Hebrew. But I did. Um, because I think he's big enough to take it. He understands us. He understands our hurts. He understands our sorrows. We see that in this passage, how Jesus has moved his compassion. He understands it. And it's safe to take our negative emotions to him. And so in my four days, in my seasons of waiting, in my five years, 
there were a lot of moments where I didn't understand. And I would just say, okay, Jesus, like you, you can do this. Like, like the people said, like, surely you healed this blind guy. You can heal, you could have healed him. Like, why didn't you? I certainly felt that to the point where I could not understand why it didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. But as I look back on it now, God has redeemed that in my life. There is, there's still sorrow there. Um, do I wish Gideon was in my home? Absolutely. If there was a way, I would get on a plane tomorrow and go pick him up from Germany. But that's not the reality. But what God did do is he redeemed and he restored that dream in a way that is so much bigger than I could have ever planned, both in that country and in the countries I work in now. Because God is birthing in me the heart of the mother for an orphan. That looks different than the way I thought it would look. And I'm sure in five years, it will even look more different after I'm able to continue to go in country after you know tra travel resumes. But I think my encouragement for you is to walk in the posture of knowing that resurrection isn't just something Jesus did. It's who he is. And so perhaps there are things in your own life that have died waiting on Jesus, whether it's careers or adoption or relationships. I don't know the reasons behind those things happening, but what I do know is that we have a God that redeems and restores all things and that there's nothing wasted in the kingdom, even our sorrow, even our grief, even our pain. So my prayer for you this week is that the story of Martha and the way that Jesus steps in and gives us such a clear picture of resurrection in the life of Lazarus, my prayer is that you would recognize the restorer, the redeemer in your own life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my friends and the way that they are seeking you through this study. Lord, I pray that um, even right now, depending, it doesn't even matter when they're watching this, if it's live or if it's recorded, God, you and your spirit, um, you can transcend time and space and you can work and move through the power of your spirit in any way you choose. So Lord, I pray just even right now that you would speak into the heart of my friends, that they would see you moving and working. Um, if they're in their season of waiting, if they're in their four days, God, I pray that you would meet them where they're at, that they would see that you love them, that you also have a heart for them of compassion and love, and that you are with them in their sorrow. And Lord, I pray that if they're on the other side of that, and you have already started to redeem those things, that you would reveal it in a way that we could give you glory, because that's who you are. God, I thank you that nothing is wasted in the kingdom, and I thank you that all of the pain and the sorrow that's in this world, this fallen world we live in, that you can work through all of those things to, for your glory. That the things that, that the enemy meant for evil, you can use for good. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the restorer and the redeemer and the one that resurrects the things that were once called dead. God, I pray for that resurrection power to be alive in my friends this week. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.